Welcome to the Dermatology Interest Group Association podcast, or DIGA podcast, where we talk about everything from how to become a stellar dermatology applicant to interesting topics in dermatology. From research advice to interviewing tips, you will be prepared to follow the path to become a world-class dermatologist. Hey guys, super excited to have you for another episode of the DIGA podcast. Today we talk with Dr. Logan Kolb and Dr. Sean Schmieder of the Grenzone podcast. They are hilarious, fun, and engaging with excellent advice on how to crush your away rotations. This will be an episode to come back to you over and over again as you go about your four years of medical school. And with that, we'll see you on the skin side. I want to start by asking you, Johnny, I'm embarrassed to to say this, but I don't know much about your podcast and what it's about. If you could start by yeah. giving me uh, and maybe the listeners a brief overview of what your podcast is about. Yeah. Yeah. I like this. It's like the reverse interview, you know? Yeah. But uh, no, so the, the DIGA podcast or the Dermatology Interest Group Association podcast was kind of born out of, you know, I come from a school that there's, there's a kind of like a sister dermatology program. They do their continuity clinic on our campus. Um, but I didn't get a lot of dermatology exposure up front. And I knew there was a lot of people either at DO schools or at MD schools without home programs who are kind of in like a similar boat. And when you want to do dermatology, you really have to network with people. It's more important than just like finding information that networking is, but part of it is just, you know, knowledge is power, right? So this podcast came out of this idea of like, I wanted to know and learn stuff that uh, was hard to find on the internet. Um, and I did find some of it, but um, so that's kind of how it started and it's grown since then. Now we have more hosts than just me. I think there's about six of us so far. And um, I think we're on the, like our 15th episode. We got a, uh, you know, probably 10 to 15 already recorded and uh, it's just growing. It's pretty cool, but I think it's cool to get that information out to people. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's very cool. I mean, it's cool to see where it's born out of, yeah. you know, everything that we see just starts with an idea that you act out on. So that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So you guys were talking earlier and I want to hear how did the Gren Zone podcast begin? All right. So we got to go back to 2015. I finished third year meds, med school, got married, did my honeymoon, and then boom, you're off on audition rotation. So Packed up my 2002 Buick Century and hit the road. Pretty much drove from Minnesota straight down to Miami. Actually, no, I did Michigan and then down to Miami. So I put on, I think, 20,000 miles on this old Buick in my fourth year doing my auditions just because that was a way to save money to make it happen. And when you're driving, you get some time to think about stuff. And I just remember searching through dermatology podcasts. There were a couple out there. Some of them were recorded at conferences. So it was a little over my head. Um, and I just wanted something that would help me get started because you go into dermatology and it is just this mountain of information that it's like, where do I even start with this? So I wanted to get something that would help that would have helped me when I was in that situation. So that's where the idea was born out of like, we need a podcast that helps med students that are going into dermatology and the stars kind of aligned. I ended up my residency in orange park. And our program director, Dr. Krishnamurthy, was, I, I told him the idea and he was all about it. And I was able to spend a significant amount of time in my residency to record the episodes. And then the stars align again. And all of a sudden, Sean is my co-resident. 
And because I was thinking like, God, you know, this, this information's good, but like, it can be kind of dry in dermatology. How do I spice this up? And then across the room, there's Sean, like telling the fart joke or something. I don't even remember. <laughs> it was like, okay, we got to bring this in. And then I kind of had the idea of like, it'd be cool to have this like back and forth dialogue with attendings, but then like, you know, we've all been through internship and residency and there's just, you know, a lot of doctors are characters and, um, you know, there's different ones that are out there. You know, you have the grumpy pants of the world and then like the cool attendings, like the doctor dude, and we just kind of pulled it together. So. Yeah, I think cool. I started doing that stupid voice in when we were doing our didactics. Oh, you yeah. were like, I'll never forget it. You were like, that would be cool. You need to, you need to replicate that so we can put it in the podcast. And I thought it was like, you know, never going to happen. But with Logan, everything that he says he's going to do happens. Like he manifests everything in his life. So I think uh, I should have known there that it was going to happen. But uh, <laughs> so when you say when you say that voice, what what are you talking about? What is that voice? The uh, the grumpy I mean, pants voice. Yeah, the grumpy pants voice. I mean, we would be in didactics. I mean, the fourth edition of Bologna just came out, and it was just like in the weeds, hardcore. And Sean would just do his grumpy pants, like make pretty much I would read some, some line, of the slides. Yeah. yeah, or read some line from that, you know, from the pathogenesis section that gets really convoluted. I mean, it's my favorite section of the book, but you know, when you're reading it out loud, you can. And we were just joking around and. That's kind of how that came about. And then obviously the other characters, but really uh, it's, it's all to Logan's credit. I mean, the, the amount of information that he covers is insane. And the amount of time it took recording my parts is a fraction of the time that it takes to write. I, I only know this from writing a few of the episodes, you know the you know what logan did was was insane in residency and you kind of have you know johnny you kind of have a taste of that now writing episodes recording episodes editing episodes and it's uh it's crazy yeah it takes time it's impressive I chose, you... oh yeah i chose a simple path because interviewing you know interviewing is one thing but writing the pathogenesis of a disease and how to treat the disease and that that's a whole different story and then making it entertaining as well so mm -hmm. I, think yeah, I, just, way... I just think that there's a lot of podcasts out there where you know the interview style is great but when it comes to listening to something where you want to learn and get the information it needs to be concise and less of a conversational manner so um you know i pretty much scripted out all the episodes and they end up being like five pages single space so i mean they're each of them is like a case report <laughs> like i it sean's right i don't know how it ended up happening but i got kind of lucky that dr k really supported it in residency and i'm still working on more content too but you know like we talked before we got a microphone became a dad in the last couple of years and that just takes a whole nother you know level of focus and time too but we're kind of getting in the swing of things so yeah more to and come I think too, you said you used it as a means of studying. So to kill two birds with one st stone, so to speak, he would master a chapter, but essentially by rewriting it. So it was a way of studying. And he, Logan's uh, scores really reflected his mastery of the material. So that was cool to see, see it pay off. I don't know about that, but. <laughs> um, but I think the other thing to, to note is uh, we don't want to take away from the utility of this type of you know, podcast and the, the utility of a conversation with people. I always tell 
medical students, especially residents, and even people applying to med school, you need to have a mentor at every level. So you don't want to have too many cooks in the kitchen, especially when you're doing something like writing your personal statement. You show that to just a handful of people or less. Otherwise, it just gets changed too many times. But when it comes to getting advice, you want to have a friend that's a year ahead of you. Let's say you're a third year. You want to get into Durham. You have a friend that's a fourth year. You have a friend that's an intern. You have a friend that's a resident. You have a friend that's about to graduate. And you have a friend that's an attending. And that's an ideal situation because everybody's going to have a different perspective. The attending is not going to remember what it was like to be a fourth year. And the fourth year doesn't know what it's like to be an attending. So if you can have a mentor at every level in in this process, that's ideal. Or just a few of those. It's, you know, you might not get all, you might not hit all those, but. That's you know, great advice. Yeah, I say that's probably some of the best advice I've heard. Because not only do they tell you what to do, but they also can tell you who to talk to and who to connect with at programs when you go in and, and uh, audition and rotate. But uh, it's yeah. just all the things. Yeah. Or, yeah, or where not to go or what not to do, yeah. too. You know, there's yeah. certain programs where, like, you just – they might know you to, to the point where they've been there before you won't fit in there. So you save, you know, that valuable audition time to go somewhere else. So, yeah. So curious, what's the future of the Gren zone look like? I am fully committed to finishing the reaction patterns, even if it takes me a decade, because <laughs> I mean, it may take some time. I've just, I've always gone quality over quantity. And um, I think we've got five or six episodes that are about finished up and uh, I've got several others that are basically written but I got to put me and Sean basically start putting in parts together and he comes up with some good one-liners so yeah there's more to come for sure it's just been a little bit of a break there's a lot of life that has happened in the last two years you know when you finish residency um, you know my wife was pregnant we moved across the country bought a house you know had a baby started a new job like there's so many things that come into place and um, yeah it's taken a little bit of a pause but it'll, it'll keep rolling. I, yeah, I'm fully committed as well. I mean, we've been doing very piecemeal recording the last year, but we are, we're committed. Like I'll stay up late and, you know, and I'm figuring out how to use the microscope on my own. So I don't have to wait for Logan. We don't, the stars don't have to align oh, to record and stuff. The microphone, like not the microscope. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um, this is, this is kind of random, but I was curious. So when I was prepping for this episode, I was looking you guys up, trying to find any info I could. And I found an old picture of Dr. Schmider. I think you were like a football player. Yeah, oh, yeah. many, many pounds ago. I just, <laughs> you are more tan now as a dermatologist than you are as a football player. That was my yeah. one observation. So I was wondering That's if funny. you could speak to that and what, uh, What's going on there? Well, I used to be a hypocrite when I would tell patients to, you know, get the Columbia gear, long sleeve, get the wide brim hat, cover your ears, wear 50, 70 SPF. And then, you know, you start to do enough of these surgeries and you, you look down at your forearms and you're like, those are going to, those are going to be leather someday. I better start. So now I'm, I'm the, I'm the stereotype about a year after being an attending, I became the stereotypical dermatologist. I always have a hat. My wife always, she's embarrassed to be around me. I always have some hat covering my ears. I always cover my arms. i try to sunscreen my hands. I'm all like, I'm covered head to toe as much as I can, but I always tell patients, you know, patients are always like, oh, back in my day, sunscreen, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, listen, I had I had family members in dermatology and I still fried myself. When you're young, you don't care. It doesn't matter. 
when yeah. you're in your twenties, you know, you don't, you don't care. So you're gonna, you know, I, I finally in my thirties, you know, said, all right, I'm going to put an end to this, but, uh, <laughs> wisened up. hopefully it's not too late. <laughs> so Johnny, I want to go back to your question though, cause Sean's being very humble. So Sean played line at the university of Florida when they won the national championship, when Tim Tebow was there and all this stuff. So he's got stories for ages that are super interesting. Uh, okay, uh, okay. Didn't you say that you were with Tim Tebow and Cam Newton in a swimming pool wrestling around one time? And said they were yes. like the strongest humans you've ever come. Yeah, across. I was. Uh, well, first of all, remember, I was a Division One bench warmer, but uh, <laughs> but but went uh, with the. Well, I was a freshman and I was in the pool and we were at a coach's house, and I was wrestling with these two dudes, just joking around, throwing the football in the pool and like tackling each other in the pool. And I remember thinking these guys are the quarterbacks. And I had just came, I didn't really know who they were. I knew who Tim was. I didn't really know who Cam Newton was because he was a freshman like me. And I thought, these guys are the quarterbacks. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. In the next two weeks, I am going to die. Both of these guys could have played defensive line, and these are just the quarterbacks. But turns out they were some of the strongest guys on the team. So um, I lived. <laughs> but it, it was painful at first. <laughs> yeah. The, the one thing f- football gave me was resilience. And I think that was needed in Durham. Nothing humbled me like dermatology. I yeah. thought uh, once you get in, you're golden. And that is once you get in, it's like it it starts to ramp up. And you're almost not ready for it, depending on how your intern year went. Um, you're almost not ready for it. It's good. It's fun because you're finally learning what you love. And you do love it most of the time, but, um, but it's almost like, it's almost too much, you know, it's like, so a lot of people describe it, you know, when you're reading and you're seeing patients, it's like drinking from a fire hose. That's a great analogy. Like you love, you, you need this thing and you love it, but it's, it's too much. It's like too much at first. And first year really will humble you no matter how, no matter how smart you are, you know, I'll second that too. You, the it's like the first two years of med school, but way beyond that. Like the first year of dermatology, you can't comprehend. But you know, be savvy and use your tools. Like I've had a lot of friends who have listened to the Ground Zone podcast in that first year and said it really helped them just kind of get a basis um, going into some of the stuff. But there's still, like Sean said, nothing that can fully prepare you. you. Just you get through it, you grind, and then you learn as much as you can. And you hit second year and you start revisiting some of your chapters in didactics and it just it's start you start to get a familiarity with it but I mean even still now tears out of residency there's still so much that I'm learning now like there's just dermatology is a massive field you know between um you know general derm and cosmetics and surgery there's just so much that we have to know and be able to do um but getting back to Sean's point it's awesome it's you know once once you're there it's it's worth the battle even for you know we all know people that have taken a time or two to get into a residency but once you're there it's it's great it's it's scary you know it's a it's definitely challenging going towards it but you'll get there and you have all the tools if you get into Durham you have all the tools to succeed in Durham it's just going to be it's going to be harder than you imagine yeah but yeah. uh, but it's worth it. It's absolutely it's, worth it. It's like parenting, Johnny, right? It's yeah. Like you, you can never That's fully understand analogy. the difficulty of it until you start doing it and you're holding your newborn baby. And it's like, wow, this is awesome. But dang, like no one can prepare you for it. Yeah. So it's something absolutely. only parents can understand. 
I imagine that one of the hard parts about starting during residency is as medical students, we're used to learning through watching like cartoons, you know, like sketchy yeah. videos. And yeah. then, and then we get four textbooks that are each like three inches thick that we have to read three times throughout our residency, you know, maybe more textbooks than that. So, yeah, yeah. It's a lot of reading for sure, but there's a lot of, um, but there's a lot of podcasts that are coming out too. And I think that, you know, part of the reason that if I thought our podcast was helpful, but there's a lot of them out there too. I mean, I could go on and on about other ones that are worth listening to, but it's just finding time to learn while you're, you know, driving, doing the dishes, folding laundry, like you can spend that time learning and then you finish doing those mundane chores, those mundane things, and then you can spend more quality time with your family, your spouses, exactly. your kids, all those sorts of things. So I think that that's, it's really important because it's hard to be a really good doctor when you're down in the dumps and, you know, life is really hard. So like if, if you can make life a little bit easier by doing some of these things, it helps. Yeah. Well, Another... I kind of want to jump in and, and dive into, um, you guys do an episode. I think it's in season one, episode two, about having a good HPI. And you mm -hmm. talk about like some tips and tricks of, of the physical exam. I was wondering if you guys could tell us a little bit, little bit about that. And the first thing you talk about is like how to describe a lesion. Mm -hmm. When you have a mnemonic, it's less T calves. Mm -hmm. Can you guys tell us what that mnemonic is? Well, let's or, go back. Let's take a step back. What I yeah. really wrote down was all of my history taking tips and things that I've learned. And really that's an entire, in my opinion, that's an entire episode in and yeah. of itself. And that we could just focus on that. And I think that's super important as a medical student when you're on auditions and yeah, that'd be you awesome. start out. Um, the exam is its own beast, but I'm not going to, uh, we can go over all these throughout the episode, but first I'll just start by saying I'm no authority on this. And in fact, if my attendings heard that I was giving tips on taking a history, <laughs> they would not only laugh, but they would be concerned for the listeners. But that puts me, I think that puts me in a unique position. You know how they say like the best, the people that are not necessarily the best players, AKA the bench warmers. Uh, building on that there, they become better coaches because they struggled through things. They had to learn the technique, really had to learn the technique and struggle through it. So I'm, I guess I'm one of those people. And I would say the biggest thing I've learned it both at the end of residency, when I finally started to grasp it and in the, in the last two years of practice is first and foremost, it is a conversation with the patient too often. I would get my clipboard, my paper and my pen. And I would interrogate the patient like a cop on, on a TV, on a bad TV episode. You know, when did it start? Who were you with? Who were you with when it happened? How many, uh, how much cream did you put on? Why'd you do it that way? Does it itch? Does it keep you up at night? Don't one word answer only and then shut your mouth. And that is not helpful at all. I think, first of all, not only will that get less information out of the patient and hurt your relationship with the patient, but the re they've, they've shown time and time again, the relationship with the patient is massively important in how you're going to cure them or help them. Sometimes just talking to people makes a huge difference and even just think of the placebo effect, but not just that, but let's say you're trying to get answers out of a patient. If you, you need to let them talk first, most of them are not trying to waste your time. They just don't know what's important because they haven't had 10 years of school. They need to get out what they've prepared to tell you 
and they've been thinking about, most of them have been thinking about what they're going to say to you for the last few days or even weeks. And some of them even have a list of things. If you sit down and you listen to them and you just give it a minute or two and you just let them get it all out, then not only can you capture things that you might not have captured if you just grilled them, but you also get through your your important list. And so that goes into like, let them talk, then do your old cards, clean up what's missing from the old cards and you, and then turn it into a conversation as they say things, allow that to prompt you to ask additional relevant things. Too often I would treat the patient interaction as a, as a list of questions that I had to hit. And I wouldn't, I wasn't having a conversation with the patient. And I watched my attendings and they would always get that one detail that I missed. And it wasn't because they had a list of things in their mind. It's because they had time experience and because they listened and then they reacted. They did not go in the room and grill the patient. So that's the first bullet point. I have other things to say, but I'll, I'll let you guys go from there. And of course, Logan can talk well on the exam and his, uh, your original question. Yeah. I'll, I'll pop in on a couple of things on the history. So I, I think that when it comes to taking a history on a patient, no matter what specialty you're in, that's where the art of medicine is, right? Because like Sean said, you have to, I agree. Like, I think it's pretty standard. Let the patient talk for a minute or two, see where things are going. But there are also patients that I swear, if you just I actually have wanted to try this experiment, put the medical student in a room with this patient, just see how long they'll talk for. I swear some patients would probably talk until like four or five hours until the end of clinic, like unless you oh, redirected them. Yes, I, you I think those to. people truly exist. So like there's also an art to redirecting the conversation. Absolutely. Um, but I think when it comes to the, the history you take, you also have to take a giant step back and look at the setting that you're in. Because if you're in a clinic you know, how busy is the clinic? We, Sean and I have worked in clinics where we see 60, 70 patients a day. You don't have time to get this massive history. And actually you're going to tick off your attendings if you're in there going through this massive, very thorough history when it doesn't matter. Um, but, you know, when you're in a hospital doing consults, you usually have a little bit more time depending on how busy the services that you're on. So it, it just depends on the setting. I think something that's unique to dermatology that I think would be my one point of advice for your listeners today would be to look at whatever you're treating first before you start asking questions about it. So I'll walk into a room, whether it's acne or it's a rash, and I'll introduce myself and I'll say, you know, hey, do you mind if I quick get a look at your acne? I want to see what we're up against. Because if, if the patient pulls down their mask and they have horrible scarring acne, and I know I'm going to try to convince them on Accutane, I don't need this massive history on their diet and all these other things that probably may be playing a slight role, but still the whole that whole 15 minute visit has to be dedicated towards discussing Accutane and the treatment to get the patient better. Like the history doesn't matter as much in that setting. Um, but if you have more time or, you know, the patient pulls down their mask and it's kind of mild or moderate, you know, I'm going to spend more time looking at triggers. I mean, that's something that I really focus on. And I don't know if it's just me, but I always feel like there's an underlying trigger for a lot of things when you start asking the right questions. So, you know, we treat a lot of atopic dermatitis, you know, Minnesota, like my I mean, and everywhere, but I feel like, especially, you know, where the weather is cold, where it's dry, my schedule has vastly changed in the last six weeks because, you know, here we are, it's early November, like all the patients with dermatitis are starting to show up and, you know, people will be really bad. And I'll just ask them like, you know, what kind of soap are you using? And they're like, oh, my Irish spring and I scrub my whole body and blah, blah, blah. Like, there's your answer. Like, so 
that's something that I tend to focus on is trying to find triggers for stuff. And that's why I think in the podcast, a lot of times I'll put, you know, triggers for like, say, psoriasis, you know, there's different mnemonics for some of these things. So that's part of where I focus on it. Um, but well, yeah, getting back to, yeah, go ahead, Sean. Really quick. And, and this, this is great because this may actually be one area where we disagree a little bit and there's nothing wrong with that. And everybody will find oh, yeah. their own, their own way to do this. And I'll also say that Logan probably sees more general derm patients than me and, uh, and you know, maybe I do a little bit more surgery, but the, I always, <clears throat> I always sit down when I walk in the room, look at the patient in the eye and give them a minute. Now, Logan is totally right. Not only can you not let them take too long, but you also can't let them keep you from getting the essentials of the old cards. You know, how mm -hmm. long has it been there? Where is it? What, what have you tried? What are the symptoms? I mean, those, those are crucial things you have to get. But I always sit down and I give them a minute. Now, when that minute or minute and a half is up and I start to feel that angst, I try not to let it show on my face. I stand up and I say, let's keep talking while I take a look. But I always sit. Another good the, tip, and I'll do that sometimes too. I always sit for the first minute uh, and just let them expel. Ooh. And I find that that is just, that just makes, not only they've actually shown that sitting down makes the mm -hmm. visit seem twice as long. I know Logan does that at times in the visit, almost, almost every visit too. Dr. K taught us that sitting down, yeah. even for just 30 seconds, makes it feel twice, at least twice as long as if you're standing for 10 minutes or so. I don't know. I don't know the exact stats, but there, there's a cool paper on that. Um, but, um, but yeah. And so before we get into the, uh, um, well, Logan, did you want to say something before we get into yeah. the exam? I'll, I'll, I want to just rifle through like a few bullet points. Yeah, go for or, it. Or do you, were, were you in the middle? Of... No, I was just going to add that the sitting thing, you had brought that up and how that's actually very, very important. Patients perceive you spend way more time with them and then they just have a, a better experience in the end when, um, you know, they think that the doctor didn't just rush out the room. So, yeah. So, and uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely true. A few more specific tricks. So I have to thank Dr. Pearl Kwong, our pediatric dermatology attending, Matt Zirwas, who's a famous dermatologist, and uh, you know he's excellent and gives a lot of talks. And he's uh, and then Dr. Krishna Murthy, uh, who's our program director and another huge mentor for me. So there, there's bits and pieces of all of them. Of the, uh, and one of my favorite tricks from Dr. Zirwas is. Uh, does it itch just where there's a rash or does it itch all over? And often if it itches everywhere, uh, that's a helpful clue that they, this person has kind of an atopic predisposition. Um, one of my favorite tricks from Dr. Kwong and something I use on every single rash is, or acne or whatever it is, is today a good day, a bad day, or a normal day? And that's huge because you can be seeing it. Most of the time it's better when people come to the doctor and they're super frustrated. Like, you should have seen this three days ago. It was hell. And I'm like, listen, I believe you. Do you have any photos on your phone? And a lot of times they don't, but at least they remembered it, you know? So that's super, that's because if today's a good day and you got moderate acne, I'm probably going to start Accutane to prevent you from having scarring. Cause that means you have severe acne most of the time. Um, don't overlook family history. Um, that's usually a given, but it's super important for atopic and acne. I didn't think it was, but if you had a family history of scarring acne, chances are your, your sebaceous glands are going to be like your parents. They're going to be very prone to androgen, uh, you know, 
stimulation and you're going to eventually develop severe acne. Um, this is another huge one. I learned this from Dr. K. No one question or answer gives you an absolute diagnosis and no one clinical exam finding. Too often I would bottleneck myself into a diagnosis based on one factor. You have to take everything into account. No one question, no one, like if, it, if they have a family history of atopic and they have allergies, it doesn't mean they have atopic derm. You don't, you can't just, you can't lock yourself into something based on one or two questions. You have to take, you have to see the whole picture. And that, then building on that, make your own assessment. When you go into the hospital, don't use any other doctor's you know, don't use the consult, reason for consult, psoriasis. Don't go in there saying, okay, this is psoriasis, it's going to be easy. Go in there with a fresh mind. It's a referral from another doctor. Make your own assessment. Too many times I'd be like, yeah, the patient's got sarcoid. And Dr. K is like, how do you know they have sarcoid? That's just what everybody else is saying. What do you think it is? What? How can you prove this sarcoid? And he was totally right. Um, the itch scale is super important. Dr. Kwong taught me that. So how bad does it itch on a scale from one to 10? That can be very important. I'm going to jump uh, in too. So a lot of um, yeah, patients do. with atopic dermatitis, and, and there's certain things that you just learn how to document. So like, if you want to try to get Dupixent for a patient with atopic dermatitis, like you have to put their itch score one to 10 in the note along with their PGA score and things like that too. So yeah, so it's not just for like your own information, but also documentation for getting patients' medications yeah. important. So, sorry, Sean, didn't mean to. No, no, this is great. I mean, this is a conversation, and I only got two more, uh, and then you guys uh, can take it home. But don't <laughs> underestimate the importance of a history in other things that you wouldn't think it's important, like a skin exam. So, like you know, even when you're doing a skin exam, like, hey, do you have any major updates? Because you'll you'll be halfway through the skin exam, and then the patient will be like. Oh yeah, I had a transplant last month. And you're like, oh, well, I'm gonna look at you with a different eye because you are a lot more likely to die of squamous cell. So I think, you know, you know, just at least ask them like any updates. You know, one one trick from one of our attendings, Dr. Ferrer, she'd always, always glance, you should always glance at the patient's med list, but she would always make sure the med list was up to date, even on a skin exam. Which, you know, after time and practice, you're seeing a lot of patients, you might overlook something like the med list. You know, you just saw them six months ago. You assume they're just on blood pressure stuff. But you look and you see that they're on, you know, some sort of immunosuppressant agent. And you're like, okay, well, that, that changes the story here, even for just a skin exam. And then the last thing is repeat the history on subsequent visits, even if you don't think it's necessary. So well, here's an example. A lot of times in dermatology, you see somebody, you do a biopsy. They come back for the biopsy results in two weeks. You take out the stitches and you further analyze and make a decision on when you're going to treat their rash. You got a full history the first time you saw them. Just two weeks ago, what could have changed? Repeat the history, especially if it's something that's difficult. Um, here's an example. I, I do research trials for rare diseases, and I see uh, some patients with rare diseases. And I always repeat the history a month later when they're going to get their drug, not because I need to, not because the trial dictates it, it, it's supposed to happen, but man, I learned so much additional things just by talking to them a second time. Don't, don't underestimate, 
always uh, use it, even if it, even if you just take 30 seconds, use every opportunity you can to, to talk to people, to gather more information, because they might say one thing that could really change your management. Um, patients just change their story. I think everyone's had that experience where oh my they get God, this history, you go on, you present to the attending, and then the attending goes in and the patient's like, what are they talking about? And I think, <laughs> I think oh, I got reamed. Oh yeah. Everyone's had that experience. So for anyone listening, if that happens to you, it is totally normal. You just have to like bite your tongue and just go on with life because it happens to everyone. <laughs> oh my God. The attending that we should name that. Let's think of a, 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 a name for that phenomenon because it happened in medicine in intern year and it happened in dermatology and it was so embarrassing. The attending would just look at, they'd be, they would say that crucial, crucial piece of information. Like last week I tested positive for hepatitis and then the attending like looks back at you and they're like, you idiot. How did you miss that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So what's, what's it going to be called? The, the Schmider effect or something? Anyway, how do you no, even say No, we're not doing names. Yeah. We're not doing names? Yeah, the, the Schmider effect. Yeah, the Schmider. 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 I hate like <laughs> I like yeah. what Bologna does. Bologna gets rid of eponyms and makes it, you know, oh, yeah, something yeah. that makes sense, you know, <laughs> if that's so, if eponym is the right word. So from a medical student perspective, listening to what you guys are saying, listening to what you talk about, there's a couple things going through my mind, right? One, when you're, you talked about, you've been in these clinics where 60, 70 patients a day, and it's super rapid pace. And the medical students kind of like, we're the bottleneck, right? We're the slowest piece of the puzzle. We're the, mm -hmm. you know, I can't even remember chemistry, but the rate limiting step, yeah. right? Yeah, and, exactly. Uh, and so I think sometimes, all these tips are, are incredibly important. I think for a medical student, we need to read the room. Do we have time to do all this or are we doing rapid fire quickly and, and let the attending do, do the rest? I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? What, what, yeah, how, how no, no, no. Definitely read the room. I think, honestly, I had a great audition rotation simply because I read the room at one program. We were doing this didactic session and it was all the residents and all the attendings. And I was there for a month on this audition and it was like my last day. And I had this little like 10 minute uh, presentation I was going to give uh, a patient presentation. And we were like 10, 15 minutes late to go to clinic. There are a bunch of patients waiting. So I like, they're like, oh, we got to do the med student rotation. Everyone looked at me with like, you know, like death glares, like, okay, like hurry up kid. And I just was like, Hey, I know we're behind. Like I just flunked through this presentation in like 90 seconds. And I got so many compliments after like, Hey, good job with that presentation. That was awesome. Cause nobody okay, wanted to hear all the stuff that they already knew. So, so definitely reading the rooms important, not just for presentations, because that is also a very important part of auditions. A lot of times you will present, but in clinic. So I think one piece of advice too, in a busy clinic, like I, um, like me and Sean were talking about is figure out if patients are new or if they're a follow-up because follow-up visits are pretty simple. I mean, even now when I do a follow-up visit, I just, I see the treatment regimen prescribed the last mm. time and I basically check compliance. Are you using this? Are you using that? Are you getting better? Okay. And then you basically formulate a plan in your head and that those can be pretty quick um, visits for the follow-up. You don't have to go into all that history quite as much as if it's a new patient. So I think that's one thing that you can just kind of think about when you're in a clinic like that. That's, oh, that, that's absolutely, but, and, and when I say, and there, but there's still time to sit down for, for 20, 30 seconds, even if you're a med student, sit down, let them talk for a little bit. You can still get a focused exam and a focused history 
let them talk even if even if you don't there's no chair just let them talk for 30 seconds maybe a minute there's still time for that don't sit down when the attendings in the room that's huge we got to remember mm-hmm. our audience here i'm talking about if you're alone you know make sure you're, if you're with the nurse that the, if the nurse wants to sit down she he or she can sit down uh you know first cuz you're you're a guest in their domain that's another audition uh tip you are a guest in their domain. Don't just make the doctor happy. Make every nurse, medical assistant, surgical Truth. tech, make them happy. Help them out. Stay out of their way. Be helpful, but stay out of their way. Yep. Logan, Bring- you were really good on auditions. Logan was caught cleaning rooms. <laughs> Bring and- Dunkin' Donuts on the last day. I know you don't have a lot of money. It's 15 bucks, but it's a nice icing on the cake for any audition. So. The, the staff, when the staff loves you, then that comes to the residents and then that goes to the attendings and people know. Like, it's, yeah, no matter how smart you are, no matter how good of a history you are, if you get everything right, including the treatment, but you piss everybody off, you're toast. Yep. So there's, never there's a lot of residents too. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of smart people that, you know, don't know how to audition. Not a lot. Not a lot. But there are some people that are exceptionally smart, but they, like Logan said, they can't read the room. If yep. you if you go on like, you know, Derm app, the Reddit page, or like the the dermatology spreadsheet, one of the things that people complain about a lot is like, um, oh, I'm forgetting the word, but like favoritism, or what do you call it when you like favor your family? Nepotism. Nepotism. Yeah. Oh yeah. In, in medicine, you know, and especially in dermatology, and they're always like, yep, you have to have connections or you're not getting in. But really, what I think is going on is is some people with great scores and great research don't have these skills and they, they can't read the room they or they don't read the room they don't act as if they're a guest in somebody else's domain and um but yeah. but when you do it you know those are the type of people that you want to be a co-resident with is the, the type of people exactly who are team player. and going back to the team player thing is huge because in our residency it was it was interesting doing interviews because also you're on the other side of the table right and you're starting to look at applicants and something we talked about a lot were just people who played team sports you know sean played football i didn't play any college sports but i was a three-sport athlete in high school and when you learn to be a team player doing something like a team sport it makes a big difference and, and you could see it in a residency program like who had had a similar experience i mean it's not 100 percent necessary but it definitely helps so i think if yeah, you or- are applying highlight that experience if you've had it yourself if you were an athlete or any co- it doesn't have to be sports, any cooperative extra extracurricular activity, or even working before med school. A lot of people that work as an MA or work in the ER or work in a restaurant before med school do really well because they already understand the 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 environment of working in a team. And let let me give a full disclosure to our listeners. My father is a dermatologist, and so you know, obviously that's a, that's a huge factor, but I felt like I had to work harder to prove that I was worthy of whatever aid that I got. And, uh, and, you know, but I definitely think that it's not just about having, you know, if you have a family member, great, but it really is about making connections. And you do that with auditions and conferences are huge conferences can present really amazing opportunities to meet people it's hard because there's another thing that there's another travel expense but if you can do one or two as a med student it can make a huge difference 
Well, and I'm the opposite of Sean. So I didn't know anybody in dermatology. I decided late in my third year and it was like, okay, here we go. But then like Sean said, finding a mentor, there's a guy in the class above me, Colin Blattner, who was going into derm and he was pretty well connected. So he kind of helped me through that process and got me to where I wanted to be. But I made a lot of connections myself, whether they were, you know, good experiences, bad experiences. I think one I'll never forget is that I was doing my audition at Orange Park and I I was with Dr. K, our program director, my very first day and, you know, my crappy Buick, I roll up and he, uh, at the end of the day, he's like asking for somebody to drive him to the nearby discount tire because he was picking up his car, getting tires on there. I'm like, oh, sure, I'll do it. I'm like trying to be the helpful med student. And it's like 85 degrees and we walk out to my Buick and it won't start. And we're just in there and he's in the front seat and we're sweating. And I'm just like trying to get my car to start. And like, eventually it did though. Right. And then like I brought him there, did my thing, whatever, but I'm sure like looking from his perspective, he was like, God, like, you know, I don't know who this kid is, but he's like going for it. You know, like he drove all the way down here from Minnesota to make this happen. You know, and I think that just like showing people that dedication that you want derm for all the right reasons, because there are a lot of people that want to go into dermatology for not the right reasons, you know, for a variety of things. And um, I, I think you got to have that true passion for it and really show that drive, like Sean said, too. I mean, you got to bust your butt to get to where you want to be, but it's worth it. I think we have a unique specialty that you will eventually come to love in some manner. Like Logan said, there's a lot of facets of it. So, mm-hmm. and that's really the beauty. Like, if Dr. Dr. K always said, you know, do what you love and the money will come second. Don't, don't yeah. ever do something for the money. It will always come back to haunt you. And that's just, that couldn't be more true. Yeah. Yeah. But back, so, to, I know we got to get back to the history stuff. Uh, I was going to say, Johnny, do you want me to tell you about less tea cabs or what? <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, let's let's skip all that. Let's, well, yeah. actually I, I want to touch on some other things because, because okay. they can, we can listen to all that you know, season one, episode two, go listen to it. It's great. I think the main points are read the room. You know, sometimes you can give a full history to your attending when you, when you present, sometimes you just want to be precise and concise. I think more often Mm -hmm. attendings want concise, Yes, you know, things that actually apply to the patient filter through all the info, but it's a balance. You can't skip the essentials because if you omit the essentials in, in trying to be concise, they will hit Mm -hmm. you with that. So but if you, you didn't even ask when it started and you're like, oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but if you uh, but if you get a pretty good thorough history and you get efficient with getting the, the information, you give a concise history to your attending. And then if they have additional questions and if you can answer them, that's like the cat's meow. That Then they know that you yeah. did a good job. I think that's part of it. Being able to like give them additional information when they need it. So. Yeah. Don't lie. Don't make shit up. <laughs> <laughs> they will, they'll get you for that. Yeah. So. So I'm, I'm actually wondering if we can get like a demo and I was wondering, so let's say, I don't know if you guys are willing to do this, but let's say you're, you're a medical student, uh, fourth year audition, you go and see a patient. They have like, let's say new onset tinea cruris. This is their initial presentation. What would yeah. the perfect presentation look like? You know, Ooh. say I'm the attending, you know, yeah. what's the perfect presentation? Why don't we do this? Yeah. Why 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 doesn't uh, student doctor Hatch be the the patient? Logan is the perfect medical student because he. Works. Oh God, no! And that. I'll be the I'll be the attending. So you're gonna play Doctor Grumpy Pants, and I'll give you the presentation. I'll do it. I, and I I don't know. I got I have a little post nasal drip. Maybe that'll help. Take a sip of coffee. Let's see. 
All right. I like this plan. All right. So I go in, I see this patient, get my history. And then I'm coming out to Dr. Grumpy Pants and he's hanging out doing his thing. What's Dr. What, Grumpy Pants? Why don't you ask, why don't you ask Johnny some questions about his groin rash first? You <laughs> All <fool>. right. <laughs> All right, Johnny. Well, <laughs> yeah, this is great. Johnny, tell me about your crotch rash. When did it start? What's going on with it? Yeah, you know, I play a lot of sports. Um, and I've just had this rash down there. It's red, it's itchy, it keeps me up at night. And uh what yeah, else do you want to know? Sounds miserable. I yeah, tried some it's... baby powder, but that's about it. And how long has it been going on? A couple weeks, a couple months, a couple years? Yeah, a couple of weeks. It kind of is on and off. I feel like, you know, sometimes I like wear my swimsuit too long after I've been swimming. And yeah, I don't okay. take it off and change. But uh ever had it before or this is the first time? You know, this is really the first time. First time. Done any treatments for it? No, just the baby powder. Just the baby powder. That's it. No prescriptions, nothing else over the counter. No, nothing else. No. Ever have athlete's foot? Uh maybe. I don't know. My feet stink, but I don't know if I've ever had athletes foot before. All right, Johnny. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to look at your feet and I'm going to look at your crotch. Is that okay? <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to examine. <laughs> Actually, that's a nice little pearl. I always say examine, never say look, no matter what. Um, yeah. So we, so we do the exam and a little trick that I will give your listeners is that um, you always want to have a woods lamp in your pocket. So you can go on Amazon, you can buy a portable black light. You always have a woods lamp. Um, because sometimes you look and it highlights that, that coral red color, and then it's erythrasma and not tinea cura. So what I would do, I'd do my exam. I make sure to look at your feet because a lot of times what happens is that people get athlete's foot and when they're stepping through their underwear, the fungus gets on the underwear and you pull it upstairs to the groin and then it's warm, it's moist, and then it overgrows there. So, um, I do my exam. I would, you know, get my woods lamp out, you know, I'd probably do a KOH. So if I felt comfortable doing that, I would scrape it with a 15 blade onto a slide. Um, so that's another little pearl. Like if you're on an audition, like see where the supplies are, see if you have the opportunity to do a KOH, even if, I mean, KOHs are hard to read it, but it takes practice. Even if you just go for it, I think an attending would be impressed by that. So I would go ahead and do that. I would read the KOH. Let's say the woods lamp is negative. The KOH is positive. I would go present uh, to Dr. Grumpy Pants and say, hey, I got this patient, Johnny, really nice. How old are you, Johnny? Uh, 28. 28. Really nice 28-year-old male coming in for a rash in the groin. It's been going on for a couple of weeks. This is the first time he's had it. He's been putting baby powder on it. It's getting pretty miserable. It's itchy. It's keeping him up at night. Um, on exam, he had these erythematous plaques that didn't have much scale in the groin. Um, Woods lamp examination was negative. I did a KOH. It looks positive. So I think he does have tinea curis. Also on exam, I looked at his feet. It did also have some little collarettes of scale. I'm concerned he has tinea pedis. So um, I'm going to go ahead and counsel him on keeping these areas clean, dry. I like the baby powder. I think we should add on a topical antifungal cream. Let's say ketoconazole twice a day until about a week after it's done. So well, I don't know if that's that was, too. <laughs> that wasn't terrible. That wasn't the worst presentation I've ever heard. But I do think you overlooked some things, student Dr. Kolb. Does the patient have a history of diabetes? Is this going to be a recurrent thing? Are they insulin-dependent diabetic and they're going to be continuing to need our help? Did you ask that, son? No, sir. <laughs> well, maybe you will next time. Now, how about a fungal scraping? You said you did a fungal scraping. Excellent. 
What about other forms of immunosuppression? Is this, again, is this going to be a recurrent matter? Are they going to be in my clinic every other week? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so um, I, and then I just curl into a ball and hide. Um, no, and what I about look, a differential, Dr. Cole? But diff did you consider inverse psoriasis or are you just treating this like every other medical student? <laughs> I think. Did you look at their nails? I don't care if the fungal scraping was positive. What if it comes back? Will you consider other things on your differential or will you pigeonhole yourself like every other medical student? That's the harsh version of it. Oh, I'm sweating, man. <laughs> <laughs> but see, you don't think about that stuff and the attendings have the easiest yep. job because the attendings have all this experience and they can find the one thing you didn't ask. So oh, yeah. There's always one, and they got time to think about it. Don't let it get to you. I mean, I am not the greatest history taker, but I'm able to pick them apart just because, you know, you get you get the easiest... Oh, we had we had attendings that would do that to us all the time. So, but it makes you better. You think of the next question that you forgot, and you do it the next time. So, don't and take Logan it personal. Would, yeah, but I am sweating. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, if the KOH is positive, in, in in now here's the practical side of it. If the KOH is positive, and you've got a 28 year old guy that doesn't have diabetes and has no reason to be immunosuppressed, you're going to treat him with, with a, a fungal cream. If it's extensive, maybe an oral, and then that's going to be the end of it. If they come back, then you can really consider those other things. But when you're on an audition, your, your attendings can go so far as to ask you those things like, do they have diabetes? You know, did you, yeah. what, what did you, and you, it's always nice, Dr. Katie, so it's always nice to present more than one diagnosis to your attending. If there's any way you can do that, it, it, it will impress them so much. Yeah. And I think in this example, now I'm just defending myself, but if you have a KOH positive, I think that kind of seals the deal. But Absolutely. I do remember that. So that first day I was talking about when I was rotating with Dr. K, we had a woman with the rash under her breast and he was like, okay, what's your differential for inner trigo? And I was like, oh God. And I think I thought of a, a handful of things, but there's like a massive differential for that. And when I was auditioning, I always had this little notebook in my pocket. And whenever I had something I didn't know or a question that popped up, I wrote it in the notebook. When I got home that night, I looked up all that stuff. So I just knew it the next time. And it's funny though. I still remember that moment, him asking me my differential for inner trigo. So um, not that we want to go over it now. But it's actually, <laughs> funny how it's it's un those moments that are uncomfortable are the ones that make you grow, though. So it's absolutely, um, you know, and even like experience. I'll have students with me every once in a while and no one, no one loves the feeling of being pimped or whatever, whatever word you want to call it. <laughs> but at the same time, like that's that's how you learn, too. That's why it's been in medicine for so long. So it's something that you just you don't take personally. But the mistakes are the ones that you almost learn from more than the, the stuff that you think, you know, already. So. I think as medical students, we need to think of the, the pimping as an opportunity, well, one, to learn, but two, to, to show what you know and like also show what you think. So like even yeah. if you don't know it, you can show, you can start talking about your thought process behind, you know, behind mm -hmm. things. And uh, like, like if Dr. Grumpy Pants asked, well, you didn't even consider inverse psoriasis or, you know, what else is on your differential? You could say, you know, well, I thought about inverse psoriasis, but the scale and the positive KOH made me think, you know, let's treat this first. And then yep. they come back and it's, uh, well, so question, you mentioned if you can slip in two diagnosis type diagnoses, that would be great way um, to impress your attendings. How would you do that in this case? Would you just say, you know, because of the positive KOH and the characteristic pattern rash, I think it's tinea, but you know, but you could also really entertain psoriasis okay 
yeah, exactly. You could also entertain this or that, but I think it's, I think it's this reason for X, Y, Z. And in this situation, it would be, I think it's 10 year curves because of the positive KOH. Gotcha. Yeah. So, if you say yeah. that, and I, and that's another thing, just knowing, just considering inverse psoriasis, that, that, that one bullet point alone may get you some points on your audition. I'm gonna, nobody thinks about that when they're a med student. And I'm going to yeah. think, I'm just going to throw in, cause I'm like the mnemonic guy and I always annoy my co-residents, but if you're ever in one of those situations where you're trying to think of a differential think, so there's, so if you think CIA, it gives you just categories to think about cancer, infectious, inflammatory, and autoimmune. So cancer, infectious, inflammatory, autoimmune. So if I applied those to inner trigo, so what cancers, it could be uh, extra mammary Paget's disease. Uh, inflammatory psoriasis is an inflammatory disease, inverse psoriasis. And then I think what inverse lichen planus, inverse pityriasis rosea, that would be kind of an in infectious one. Autoimmune, uh, I'm drawing a blank on that, but there's several infectious things too, like erythrasma, crinibacterium. So there's, it's just something to put in your back pocket. If you're ever struggling to think of something, think of differentials in a moment. It's a quick way to, that's awesome. Yeah. I'm going to use that in clinic tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so now another question, Dr. Grumpy Pants or, you know, Dr. Schmieder, you yes. did a great job <laughs> yeah. of just scaring the bejeebies out of us by grilling us down. So, so when a medical student encounters a Dr. Grumpy Pants, you know, what, what do we do? What, what do we do? Do we just grin and bear it? You know, you know, number and, one thing is absolutely you, you have to, when you encounter someone like that, you have to show them that you're tough, that you are, that you're resilient and that you are going to learn from, from this, because if you encounter someone like that, they're going to trip up everybody. It doesn't matter if you're a genius, you're in the majority if you get tripped up by them. So if you can just show them that you have a good attitude and that you are willing to learn, then you've won. And I, you know, I always tell when I, when I have a med student, when a, a, a person that's auditioning, I always tell them, we're doing this for fun. I know that you guys are all smart. I want you to learn while you're here. You traveled all this way. I want you to have fun and learn. And we're just going to, you know, and obviously you can't help but be impressed if somebody does know a number of things, but really at your stage, you're not supposed to know a ton of Durham trivia. I will tell you though, the more you know, and if you can not, here's our shameless plug again. If you can listen to the podcast and you can know some things, it, it cannot hurt. But when you encounter somebody that's a true Dr. Grumpy Pants, it, it's not just about grin and bear it. It's just don't let it phase you. You mm -hmm. know, sometimes when you grin and bear it, it still looks like you're, you're getting tripped up. But if you can really not let it phase you, keep a good attitude and keep trying. That's all you can do in that situation. And it will sometimes help you. Yeah. yeah. And, and like I kind of alluded to with having the notebook in the pocket, like, you know, reading about stuff that you encounter that day, even if they didn't directly ask it to you. And then when you're, cause a lot of times you're with an attending more than one day and then the next day, you know, you may just have a couple of down minutes and I'll be like, Oh, you know, I was reading about this and that from that patient yesterday. And like, I don't know, you can just bring up little snippets like that. If you're a little, suck up like me but it but it helps <laughs> oh it definitely helps well that's yeah. the hard thing about being an auditioner and it depends where you audition right but i've had auditions where i shadowed the whole time yep but you're expected to be engaged and act engaged to be interested but like that's extremely hard to do as a passive learner as just a fly on the wall 
And so I think that's a great tip to oh yeah for sure to the act notebook. engaged or be engaged. You know, yep. you're if you're writing stuff down, you know, even if you're if it's a shadow audition, like there's some that are like that, and you know that's. I'll give another piece of advice because I, th- I feel like we've talked about auditioning a lot, but there's, there's a, that's a big part of becoming a dermatologist is like auditioning well. And just, um, you know, you'll be on different rotations where some places will want you to like throw the gloves on, get in there and start helping do everything. Some places will like slap your hands away from the glove box if you're trying to do anything. And I think just when you start a rotation, get the ground rules, talk to the coordinator, talk to the attending, talk to the residents, like, Hey, you know, do you want me to help? Or like how hands, on is this because otherwise it just makes it kind of awkward if you don't know it's like oh should i should i put gloves on should i not like it seems like this silly thing and it just it takes the awkwardness out of it if you have that conversation up front yeah Yeah, if you get there before the attendant gets there and you ask the head medical assistant the head nurse hey what should i do can i see these patients that are just sitting in the room while we're waiting on the attending you see all three patients you can impress that attending or no don't go in there don't do anything sit with your hands and folded on your lap and, and like Logan said, but if you can and the you read the room and the, the staff says that's what the, the most re, you know students do, go and see as many patients as you can before the attending gets there um, yeah. and present it and say, hey, um, you know, we can I can present all these to you if you'd like. And they'll be like, oh, wow. OK, cool. Mm-hmm. But ask first. Ask the staff first. Logan, that's great advice, man. Just just talk to the staff. So as far as, you know, seeing as many as, as you can, what, one thing that I've seen as an auditioner with other students is sometimes there'll be somebody who is like the gunner of the group. And do you guys see that as an attending? And what do you guys think about that? What do you mean the gunner of the group? Like you're talking about, you have multiple students on one rotation. Yeah. You have multiple students on one rotation and, uh, you know, they're the guy that goes see all three and then, but like, doesn't say, Hey, let's all go see one. They just go and do it. And then you're left out to dry as, as the, the one-off medical student, y- you know, it, it, is it good to be a gunner? Is it bad to be a gunner? What do you do if you are the medical student? Yeah. I think you want to be I, a go-getter, not a gunner people. Yeah, I yeah. think attendings That's can a good tell, way to put it. attendings can tell when you will step on someone to get ahead. And they don't want that. Yeah. yeah. So the attending in that situation, and they show up and there's two or three students there and one of them saw all of them. That tells me that they're just trying to show up the other people, you know, like. Or why don't you all go, why don't you forget about that, dude, go see one or two of the ones that he saw. It doesn't, you don't have, he's not the attending and he, he or she is not, not the end all be all go in the room after they go in the room. Or go in a room that they're not in. And if they're like, I already saw that person, be like, well, I'm, I'm going to see them as well so I can learn and go jump in the creek. You yeah. Know? Yeah. But I think that's something that, you know, it's funny, you know, we talked about being on the other side of the table for making a match list or rank list and all that. But there, you know, we had people that were like, definitely yes. And people that were kind of maybe and the people that were like, heck no. And the ones that made the heck no list were always people, not always, but oftentimes people that would show up the residents there you know so let's say you are the medical student that has a great great derm knowledge like you never want to throw it in a resident's face like an attending asks something and a resident stumbling over the answer and you pipe in like don't do that that's just gonna you know it doesn't look good most people listening to this podcast are have the wherewithal to understand that i think but it's good it happens though don't Yeah. yeah be careful 
like like Logan said, read the room and you know realize your place. You don't have to be a silent, you know, you don't have to be like you know a wallflower, but like find a way to demonstrate your knowledge without um, interrupting, annoying, or insulting. You know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thanks. First of all, we never introduced you guys to the show, so. I just wanted to say thanks for coming on the Gren zone to me was kind of like one of the first podcasts I stumbled upon in dermatology. And you mentioned there was some before, but I think the Gren zone is really like one of the, the, the original podcasts that everybody in dermatology knows, like anybody who's a resident knows about the Gren zone. Um, so thanks for coming on the show. Do you guys have any last words of advice to medical students who want to do dermatology? And it doesn't have to be for fourth year's auditioning, but even, you know, first year, second year, third year medical students, what advice, what last piece of advice would you give? Mm. Sean, I'll let you lead. <laughs> it would be good if you closed because. Oh, whatever. <laughs> you're the man. And I really, I've always looked up to Logan. My like, advice likewise. is don't quit. The universe has you right where you're supposed to be. Just. Keep working hard and go with the flow. And uh, I I will stand by that too. Perseverance is everything. Some of the best dermatologists I know didn't get in like twice, sometimes up to three times. And that doesn't happen to everybody, but perseverance always wins out no matter what. And it's not just in dermatology too. And the other thing I'll add is, you know, we've talked a lot about like rotation etiquette and, you know, having a good knowledge base. And I think that the podcast that Sean and I did ground zone, like helps get that knowledge base. But I think there's just a big personality thing. Like, you know, when it comes to choosing residents for a program, you want to choose people that you want to work with for one, two or three years. And, you know, what kind of people do you want to be around? You want to be, you want to be around people that are fun. Like if like Sean is one of the funnest, funniest people I know. Like if I was, if I was choosing residents and Sean rotated with me for one day and I saw how funny he was, like, I would want to be around Sean for that reason. Like there's just let your personality shine too. It's you not have a brain just too, but... <laughs> you do, but, but people want to train people that they want to be around for several years. So um, don't be afraid to be yourself. I think that would be my biggest piece of advice. Yeah. Don't be afraid to be yourself. That's. Yeah. I mean, like when people would give their uh, presentations on the audition and then they would include a little bit about, you know, their family life or their hobbies, like that helps the programs. Remember who you are. You get a lot of students that roll through, like people remember that I played music or whatever. So like, just don't be afraid to show some of your personality, your personal life and some of your hobbies too, because it makes it memorable. There's a, there's a podcast. I mean, you, I don't know if it's, you know, after y'all's time, but it's called the topical pod and it's with these. Yeah. 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 So Dr. Arash Mastagimi, you know, from Harvard, he'd always say, be yourself unless you're weird. And then don't be yourself. (laughs) That's what he'd say. Yeah, that's true. Or something like that. And and that's awesome. I, I, I've been, I started this book, you know, it's a classic. It's like seven habits for highly effective people. And it starts out and he talks about how like, there's all these self-help books and a lot of them, you know, teach stuff about how to have a better, you know, quote personality. Um, but really what it's about is, is developing your character, um, because anybody can fake personality for a day or an interview or a week. Um, 
and kind of like use these hacks, right? Like we've been kind of talking about, you know, quote hacks to, to, um, to be a good rotator, you know, tips and tricks. Um, but he's like, you know, it's all about developing a good character and being a good human. And, um, I think it's important for us to talk about these tips and tricks, but, um, you know, if you're a good human and you persevere, I think that's really, you know, what you're talking about, you know, yeah. that's how you'll really, uh, you know, see, see good things come to pass. So, yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. It's a long journey, but enjoy every moment of it. There's still times during my internship. I miss seeing some of my friends down in Miami and I miss my friends from residency. Like it gets better with time, but enjoy the journey. Fourth year is it's a wild ride, but I had a lot of fun. Yeah. So, so is it worth it? I heard uh, Dr. Schmieder before we were talking about how you still have a 12 year old laptop. Is it worth <laughs> it in the end? <laughs> That's just cause I, I, I don't want to, uh, it's just one area. I don't want to spend money, but yeah, it absolutely. Uh, it, I guess if I wanted to buy a new laptop, I could. If that's what you're asking, <laughs> but yeah, it's 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 definitely absolutely. Yeah, awesome. Well, thanks a bunch. I I really appreciate y'all's time. Yeah, this was fun, Johnny. Thank you. Good luck with everything you're doing, man. Yeah, you're gonna do great. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Diga Podcast. We hope you enjoyed. Please send us any questions or comments to dermeinterestpod at gmail.com. This podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. 